Well, hello. Welcome back. I'm Harley, and this is Deadly Damsels, Women Who Kill, where I tell you a crazy story about a woman who decided to kill. Just when I thought last week's story was super high on the bizarre chart, I think this week's story takes the cake. Today, we're going to be talking about Jane Toppin, a.k.a. the Angel of Mercy, a.k.a. the Angel of Death. She was someone that was a caregiver who would kill her patients, but then she would go on to become a serial killer and kill just because she could. And this would include anyone that she had an issue with. She'd be like, I don't give a fuck about you. And yeah, so uh, let's just get right into this one. So Jane Toppin was born Honora Kelly, a.k.a. Nora Kelly, to Bridget and Peter Kelly on March 31st, 1854 in Boston, Massachusetts. Her parents were Irish immigrants. Her mom would go on to die from tuberculosis before Jane was even a year old. So that left Peter, her father, to care for Jane and her three sisters. But see, Peter was a very eccentric alcoholic and was also said to be very abusive towards the girls. So he wasn't properly able to take care of them. It's said that Peter's mental health had declined gradually after his wife's death. Um, He had worked as a tailor and someone had found him in his shop attempting to sew his eyelids together. So, of course, after this, he is committed to an asylum and the girls go briefly to live with their father's mother. And um, it wasn't long before the two youngest daughters, so um, Jane and her sister, were sent to an orphanage, which was called the Boston Female Asylum. And they would never see their family again after this. So that's kind of sad. There's nothing documented on Jane's time in the orphanage, but it was said that she was a very smart and and intelligent girl, but there were issues with her lying about a lot of things. Like she would lie about her family, saying that her dad was very wealthy and was off on a cruise at the moment and um, just all kinds of lies. And I feel like that comes from her not having a good childhood, but it's also a problem and it would become a bigger problem in her future. You know, all the lying and and becoming a sociopath, essentially, I feel like. So within a couple of years, Jane's fostered as an indentured servant to a woman named Anne C. Toppin, and that's where she would stay for two decades. Anne had never officially adopted Jane. She had just given Jane the Toppin name so that Jane could appear less Irish. For whatever reason, I'm not sure why that would have been a problem, but okay. Um, it's said that Jane had a rocky relationship with Anne and was verbally abused by her, but Anne's daughter Elizabeth had been very welcoming to Jane and they had a pretty good relationship. Kind of like the sister that Jane no longer had. At the age of 16, Jane had fallen madly in love with a boy that she had met at her high school. He had promised her that they were going to run off and get married and live happily ever after. He had even given her a ring to show how serious he was. But within six months, his promise was broken and Jane's heart was shattered, of course, when he moved away to a town called Holyoke, which is about an hour and a half away from where Jane lived. So when he gets to Holyoke, he falls in love with someone else and Jane is just left to pick up all the pieces of this broken promise and her shattered dreams. She had always wanted to be a wife. So of course, she really took this very hard. She had then tried to commit suicide several times, but was never committed to an asylum for whatever reason. I believe that that probably would have been the best place for her. But anyway, At the age of 18, Jane had then been freed from her duties as a servant to the um, Toppin family. 
Um, but she decided she wanted to stay with the Topic family and continue to work for them. So she didn't leave. Um, she stayed there until Anne had passed away. And then at that time, which was about 10 years, um, she stayed and continued to work for Elizabeth, which would have been her you know, foster sister and Elizabeth's husband. Around this time, she had decided to start her journey as a private nurse. So she had started her training at Cambridge Hospital in um, or around 1880. Um, they say she had been a really good student and she was very optimistic and happy like all the time. So then she got the nickname Jolly Jane. So, um, you know, her colleagues and other students were calling her Jolly Jane and she was just a joy to have around. But things got a little weird with Jolly Jane a little bit later. So she had become really obsessed with autopsies and this did not go unnoticed. People were like, what is wrong with this girl? And then on top of that, several of Jane's patients were passing away. And it wasn't, I mean, they were old and, um, you know, elderly and ill, but they weren't on the brink of death before Jane came along. So, you know, this obviously raised some suspicion within the hospital. Even with all this suspicious shit going on, she had somehow still been recommended to the very prestigious Massachusetts General Hospital in the late 1880s. For the next several years, she'd claim the lives of more victims. You know, no one even really knew about the first ones, but few of her patients seemed to survive her special treatment. This was typically morphine she would inject them with, but not necessarily to help them. See, Jane had a sort of obsession of seeing what happened to these patients after administering her special treatment. She had become obsessed with watching people die from these poisons, aka medicines, that she would be giving them. So much so that she had become sexually aroused. So basically, she had been poisoning her victims and then climbing into bed with them, caressing them and holding them. Okay. I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's it's just fucking bizarre. It's sick. And I just can't. I can't fathom it. But she would caress them and watch them as they drift in and out of consciousness, giving way to death. Finally, Jane is relieved from her duties at the hospital and is completely dismissed. They're like, you cannot work here after two more people have mysteriously died from her special medicines. Um, it's also said that she was, you know, recklessly giving out opiates. So they didn't think at the time that Jane was purposely or intentionally killing these people for her own fucked up pleasure. I mean, they probably would not have thought about that. But, um, you know, she was. They just believed that she was just giving out these opiates and these patients weren't able to deal with the effects of those opiates. Being fired from the hospital early left her with no certificate. She had never received a certificate to become a private nurse, you know, outside of the hospital. So she then forged paperwork to say, hey, I'm a private nurse and you should hire me. So, I mean, this works, though, and after being let go from the hospital, she's hired by several wealthy families over a 10-year span. A lot of it was because of her reputation to hand out opiates so regularly. I guess these wealthy people just wanted to get their hands on some of those. Um, of course, you know, this backfires, and a lot of her patients are dying uh, from her special treatment and medicine. Um, she would even, like, poison the patients and then bring them back to health to show how good of a nurse she was. Even though she wasn't, you know, really a good nurse. We know that. 
It was said that her motive for killing all of these patients was because old people were useless and weren't, you know? She didn't think that they were worth keeping alive. So, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, by this time, she was growing bored of killing her patients. So when her landlord came to ask her for rent money, she decided that she would tell them she didn't have the rent money right now, but she could offer them a mineral water that they could have to drink instead. I mean, it's totally good and not laced with poison or anything. So the landlord, he um, happily accepts this water and is okay with waiting for the rent money. So I don't believe he ever made it home. I believe he had passed away. And once he had passed away, Jane said, oh, I have an idea. Let me go live with his wife. His wife's name was Lovely and help her through this hard time in her life. Oh, and I, I have to add, the husband, the landlord, um, was named Israel. So Israel and Lovely, you know, they had rented out a house to Jane. And Jane had already killed Israel, so she goes to live with um, Lovely. And while there, she does live with her for a couple of years while still working as a private nurse as well. And um, after these couple of years, she decides, you know, I don't really like Lovely that much, so I'm going to give her some mineral water too. And so, you know, Lovely passes away. So after this, she's still working as a private nurse, um, but now things have gotten more personal. She's killing people outside of her career. See, she had killed one of her friends, Myra, just to steal her job at the Theological Hall. Like, literally, she just wanted her job, so she said, I'm going to get rid of her and I'm going to take her job, which is weird. Like, just go fucking apply yourself, you know? Like, why do you have to kill someone for it? And then in 1890, um, I want to say it's the mid-1890s because a lot of sources were very conflicting in different details. So I'm just going to say in the in the mid to late 1890s, she had been renting a cottage from a man named Aldine Davis. Of course, he had kept asking her for the rent payment that was way overdue by now. And when she didn't offer up the money, his wife had come to visit her and said, hey, like, we need this rent money. And she's like, well, I don't have the rent money right now, but I have some mineral water. Do you want some? So, you know, this is a pattern. And, of course, the the wife, um, I believe her name is Maddie, she was like, sure, I'll take some water, but we need that rent payment, you know, ASAP. So she takes the water and she dies. So... Jane is like, okay, well, I'm going to go live with Aldine Davis and his family to help him, you know, with his wife's death. So somehow she manages to go and live with Aldine and his two daughters. And one by one, she is poisoning this family and killing them off. So with the whole family dead, she then goes back to the cottage that she was renting and keeps on with her job as a private nurse. So in 1899, Elizabeth, Jane's foster sister, had invited her to come and stay in the house where they grew up. This had become a thing that they had done, you know, every so often. So Jane accepts the invite and she's like, yeah, I'm coming. And so Jane goes to stay there for the weekend. And Jane's like, hey, I want to take you on a picnic. I think it would be a beautiful day for one. So she packs a picnic basket with snacks like taffy and corned beef and also... Her famous mineral water. Is it poisoned or is it not? They go on this picnic and everything seems fine and dandy. But then Elizabeth decides she needs a drink. So she takes a bottle of the mineral water and guzzles it down. And so Jane takes Elizabeth into her arms and holds her as she dies. So it's found out later that this bottle of water that 
Elizabeth had drank was laced with strychnine, which is an odorless bitter poison that's usually used to kill like small birds or rodents and things like that. So, you know, it's very toxic. At this point, no one had suspected Jane of killing Elizabeth. Like, why would she kill her foster sister that she grew up with and had a good relationship with? Anyway, so now with Elizabeth dead, Jane moves into Elizabeth's house with her husband for a period of time. And during this period of time, she is trying to reach her ultimate goal, which was the reason she had killed Elizabeth in the first place. Jane wanted Elizabeth's life. She wanted her husband. She wanted to be married. She wanted a house. So she killed Elizabeth to win over her husband and pretty much take her life from her. Like, literally. Like, she killed her, and she's also wanting to live her life. So that's, you know, fucked up, too. Anyway, all of her attempts at getting Elizabeth's husband to fall for her have failed. He's like, no, I, you know, I don't want to be with you. And so, obviously, this kind of upsets her, but she tries one last tactic, and that is to poison him, but only enough to where she can nurse him back to health and make him fall in love with her because she is saving his life, you know? Well, after this doesn't work, she then tries to poison herself and in order to gain his sympathy. And instead of getting that from him, she's kicked out of the house and she goes to the hospital because she's obviously poisoned herself. So once she's released from the hospital, she takes a different approach in life and goes back to being a private nurse and is still poisoning patients at this point. I mean, gosh, dang, this has been a long time and no one has said anything or suspected her. But maybe they have. So then she goes on to rent from another couple who ask her for the rent. And I guess this girl just does not believe that she should have to pay any sort of bills or rent. Because when they come asking for the rent, she she decides, you know, I'm not going to pay the rent. But you're going to pay, you know, for asking me for it. What a fucking weirdo. So instead of like just poisoning them like she had the other ones, she decides she's going to poison their housekeeper, but only enough to make her look like she's drunk and unable to, you know, housekeep. So she does this and it works. She decides she's going to step in as the housekeeper for the family and they accept. So later on, they would die too because that was the whole reason she had even done this in the first place was so that she could kill them. So she kills them. And around this time, she starts to get suspicious of someone following her. And boy, are they following her. So this detective had been watching her for a a while now, and she had no idea of this. But finally, she's aware, and the detectives start questioning her. So remember Aldine Davis and his family that we talked about just a little bit ago? Well, there were some survivors of that family, and they decided that the whole family dying like that was just weird. Like, that doesn't happen. So they asked for the bodies to be exhumed and to have a toxicology report ran on them, which was a very good move. So they find out that all of the Davis family had been poisoned. And who did they know that came around the Davis family that was notorious for her special medicines? Yeah, you got it. It's Jane. And so they're like, we know that she killed them. So, of course, they don't really know about any of the other murders at this point, but they do know about this one. So she is then arrested on October 29th, 1901, strictly for the murders of the Davis family. Within a year, though, she had admitted to 31 murders, but only 12 of those murders had been confirmed. So 
I'm sure that it was at least 31, but people say that it's suspected to be 100 or more murders in total. So once the trial had started, Jane was being very like adamant about her sanity. She's like, I'm completely sane. I knew exactly what I was doing and I knew that it was wrong. And her, you know, her excuse was that, and this is a quote. So quote, if I had been a married woman, I probably would not have killed all of those people. I would have my husband, my children, and my home to take up my mind. The jury literally took 27 minutes to deliberate and found Jane Toppin not guilty by reasons of insanity. So she is then put into a asylum and committed for life. And it, this is not funny, but it is very ironic. It is said that when she got to the asylum, she refused to eat for fear of her food being poisoned. Hmm, how the tables have turned, Miss Toppin. You're out here poisoning people and now you're scared you're going to get poisoned. I mean, you know, an eye for an eye, right? So the asylum is where Jane would stay until she passed away in August of 1938 at the age of 81. After all this had come out, there were, you know, some survivors. And one of the survivors named Amelia Finney, she said that for years she believed that what she experienced was only just a dream because it was that bizarre. See, she had been having surgery and... Jane had come in to give her some medication. Well, this medication was very bitter tasting, she would say. And after the medication was administered, she began to drift in and out of consciousness. But she still remembered seeing Jane climb on top of her as her consciousness faded and began to kiss her all over the face. But something had happened. I think another doctor had come in and that caused Jane to hurry up and leave you know she got scared so that's a good thing I'm glad that there was someone that did survive but I'm also you know uh-uh. I hate that she has to have that experience because that's fucking weird that's so weird just imagining like your nurse that's supposed to be helping you being a fucking weirdo you know so that's basically it for for Jane. Like there was a long line of murders. I mean, she murdered for an entire decade or more. So you know, it, it was a lot, and it was a lot to read, and it was a lot to research. And especially with this case being so old, a lot of the stuff was very conflicting. Like I said before, so I hope that I got the right story out and all the details out because that's what I aim to do. I like to know everything, and I don't want to be you know, giving out false information. With that being said, I'm so happy you got to listen to the story. I had a lot of fun telling it. And of course, I will be back with another story next week. So I hope to see you there. Bye.